We're talking about reality television. Yep. And, you know, how damaging is it for young people? What constitutes a, a, a kid these days? When you say it's bad for our kids, what constitutes that? So let's really go to a man that knows his stuff. He is a neuroscience educator, um, Nathan Wallace, child development expert. A very good afternoon. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Kia ora, Simon. How are you, mate? Oh, good, thank you, my friend, and thank you very much for coming on the show. Can I say from the outset, um, I've been telling Phil about you, I just respect enormously your body of work, what you bring, and um, so we're really grateful for your time. Thank you. Oh, glad I could do it. So how bad is reality television for young people, Nathan? Um, I think it's pretty dangerous. It's, um, it's, I think it's just taking, you know, taking away the innocence of childhood and getting children to be teenagers well before their time. So they've got eight-year-olds acting out highly sexualized um, play because they've seen that on primetime television. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's not just the acting out of that sort of makes kids more at risk because they're acting in a sexualized way. It's the absence of doing normal childhood stuff that also puts them at risk. You know, that shortened childhood. And this is a generation of kids that have been exposed to social media and pornography and all of this stuff already. So I think um, we need to put the brakes on it. Nathan, you understand the brain. You're a, you're a neuroscientist, aren't you? Yep, that's right. Right, so you understand the brain. When you say mm-hmm. they acted out, so a show like The Kardashians, uh, like, and I, I, I really think I'm talking with some experience here, having f- raised four daughters who are now young women and women. <laughs> so, um, but it gets in their heads. There's that sense that they can really achieve this stuff, that it's doable for them to, as you're saying, to Phil, to have a $50, a $50 million mansion and fly on a private plane. Is that damaging for children sowing almost false seeds? You could say it was damaging, but you could also say that um, children were doing that for generations. You know, kids wanted to be Elvis Presley before and make mm. millions of dollars, or they wanted to be, who's yep. another old-fashioned singer, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, totally. I think it's, for me, Simon, it's about developmental stages, because if you're a teenager, you're already in your emotional brain, that limbic system. So shows like Home and Away and music, and you know, there's always been sort of trash TV that just caters to the emotional drama mm. and because the teenagers are all in their emotional brain that's not quality tv but i don't think it's going to do them real harm mm. where it does harm is when it's then aimed at and is being exposed to like eight-year-olds so that they're like i said before so that they're starting to act 13 before yes. you know when they're eight they're missing out the developmental stages mm. um, yeah because nathan one is one of the things i would love to ask you right now please is Yep. We're seeing this with our five-year-old granddaughter. Now, she's got yep. some friends, some neighbours, and they're lovely kids, but they're yep. at 10 and 11, and they're into makeup and that sort of stuff. And I'm wondering, yep. with, with our Chloe, whether one of the reasons for the makeup thing is, and her parents are very careful about what she watches and so on, but any yep. sort of dancing things that are on TV, the people are, are, are always made up. Now, is that something, and I don't know whether your research would, would give you a, a, a grasp on this or not, but that yep. thing about really young girls, six, seven, eight, nine years old, putting on makeup, for example, is that yep. something that would have been happening in, the, let's say, I know it's way in the time tunnel, but, but, but pre-television days? I think if we've got to distinguish there between play and then actively, um, you know, doing it all the time like a teenager. So right. little kids have always put on mum's nail polish and, you know, got into the lipstick and tried to put that on when they were four. Right. So the level of play with it. But oh, dear. I hope we haven't just dropped Nathan. Right, we've got a shocking phone line here, Nathan. Unfortunately, we just well, you dropped out there, so we just yeah. Can, can you just re- reiterate what you just said? You just dropped out there, Nathan. Sorry. 
sorry, can you hear me now? Yep, gotcha. Okay, sweet. Um, okay, give me the question again. I got well, oh, that's from makeup. Yeah. Uh, the difference between play yes. and then socialising as a 16 year old. Right. So there's always been sort of 16 year olds that want to put on makeup and start looking like an older woman. And a lot of that's to do with sexualisation and attracting the opposite gender um, because that's sort of the appropriation that can happen on the, you know, after puberty and in adolescence. Right, um, yeah. It's not a worry when the eight-year-old kid sees them, like you said about Chloe, the neighbours next door, I'm putting on makeup and wants to copy and pretend and play to be 16 because yeah. it's an exception to the norm. Yeah. I think that's fine if it's play, but not if it's the eight-year-old sort of wanting to wear makeup all the time and starting to think that they're not attractive enough without the makeup, then that's a real worry. So when you talk about the highly sexualised stuff, like when we were talking about Love Island, let's say your child's exhibiting that behaviour at eight, and it's and of course at eight years old it is just entirely inappropriate. How do yep. parents resolve that? What do you say to your kids? Do you shut them down immediately? How do you, how do you cope with that? Yeah, I think I would be tempted to immediately distract them. I wouldn't want to make a deal of it. And I wouldn't want to bring about any shame. Shame's a really harmful thing. So I think I would jump in quickly with, let's have a horsey ride, or, you know, I would just jump in and start playing. So right. that I distract them from this highly sexualized dance. And um, I mean, I've been in that situation. Kids have been imitating Beyonce dances and stuff and seeing music clips. Yep. It's a similar thing. So you get these very young girls acting in very sexualized ways and they make everyone really uncomfortable. So if I see a child doing that, I don't want to shame them for it. I will just jump in and do something else that's more interesting that immediately distracts them away from that. Right. So that they're just not having a lot of time to practice that. And I'm not offloading any shame on them. No. But I'm no. also not giving any energy to enjoying that or smiling at it or validating it in any way. Right. And then I'm going to ask myself the question afterwards, where are they being exposed to that? And you can't protect the kids 100%, but what can I do to minimise that? Where are they seeing this? I'm watching television with the 16-year-old, so I'll go and talk to the 16-year-old and say, hey, this is a problem, you need to be careful. Yeah, great. Now, just talking about age, Nathan, one of the things in, in the uh, over the previous 40 minutes or so when we've been talking about it, we talk about, in generalised terms, about there are certain shows that, you know, you don't need to be a genius to work out that they're not not suitable for, quote, kids. But yeah. at, at what stage in their development do you believe that younger people, whether it's 14, 15 or 19 or whatever it is, are, have yeah. actually reached a point where they can handle and differentiate between stuff that is really unsuitable or not? Yeah, I think that's probably later than most people think. I mean, the developmental stuff would tell us around 18. Wow. That's why it's called childhood. Because if they were able to not, if they were able to differentiate that like an adult, then at 12, then we would have 12-year-old adults. It is because the childhood mind is very, even an adolescent, is still very much an emotional brain. The frontal cortex, the part of your brain that sees things rationally and understands consequences, isn't, you know, really properly online until about 18. It's kind of shut for renovations before that. Wow. They had that whole thing coming up with the mosque attacks and why did all the 16-year-olds hunt out the video and want to watch it? Because an adult knows not to do that. But a teenage brain doesn't know not to do that. They don't understand consequences. They're, oh, well, we're right, I'm bulletproof. It's so, a minefield. It, it's a minefield. Nathan, last thing from me. Um, yep. You know, like, obviously the social media thing, I was explaining before on a texter, you know, kids are consuming their 
traditional television in many different ways, smartphones, iPads, Facebook profiles, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you do? What, what would your advice be as, as a person that's a child development expert in getting kids away from that or not letting them see this stuff? How do you do that? There's, the, there's all the usual stuff the parents do in terms of putting up um, safeguards and making sure that the parents have access to the history that the children have been looking at so they know there are monitors in place. But from a practical parenting point of view, you know, like my youngest is um, 20 now, so I had some of the social media stuff, but not as intense as it is now. Mm. What the research tells me is that I would just make sure that my kids had two hours every day of device free time. I would just have it in my house, but between five and seven, um, that's dinner time, and no one has devices. Mm. Um, not mum, not right. dad, not any other kids. So that's what the research tells us, is that you're outside the risk group for anxiety and depression um, if you have two hours every day of device free time. And so all the teenagers listening, no, that doesn't count when you're sleeping. <laughs> Nathan, look, Matt, we could talk to you for four hours and still have plenty to talk about. You've been great, and I hope we get you on the show again because we just love it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, mate. It was wonderful. It really was. And I, I Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and, and so practical. That idea of five to seven, let's say, or depending, you know, some parents yeah. don't get home from work till six, yeah. six to eight, of everybody not having a device. That's not the key just, thing. That's not the key just the thing. kids. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so what, what, what you're then doing, which is I've never thought about it, but it's a great idea that Nathan just said, I believe, you're not saying, d- d- you are then saying do as I do, not yeah. as what I tell you to do. Yeah, exactly. So if everybody's on the on the same footing, then how can any kid feel aggrieved you if can't. mum and dad aren't doing it either? He, he, look, he's amazing, that guy. I just love his stuff.